The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers to learn their secrets. The number one New York Times bestselling author of 12 books, Jennifer Weiner, took a few minutes to talk with me this week about the writer's life, her new memoir, and Revenge of the Nerds. Before her prolific career as a novelist, Ms. Weiner started out as a small-town newspaper reporter before signing her first big book deal for her novel Good and Bad. Since then, her books have spent over five years on the New York Times bestseller list. She's had a novel made into a major motion picture, In Her Shoes, starring Cameron Diaz and Tony Collette, contributed op-eds for the New York Times, executive produced a TV series, and published a children's book. Her latest offering is the memoir Hungry Heart, Adventures in Life, Love, and Writing, and it's about yearning and fulfillment, loss and love, and a woman who searched for her place in the world and found it as a storyteller. In part one of this file, Jennifer and I discuss how her iconic writing mentors Joyce Carol Oates and John McPhee helped guide her, why 10 years and 10,000 hours in the trenches is par for the course, how working in busy environments boosts your productivity, and great tricks to keep the ink flowing without opening a vein. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks or you've always wanted to give them a try, you can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com rainmaker. This episode of The Writer Files is also brought to you by Digital Commerce Summit. We'll have more about that unique event for digital entrepreneurs later in the show, but you can check out rainmaker.fm summit for all the details on an amazing educational and networking event. And we are rolling today on The Writer Files with a very special guest. Jennifer Weiner is joining me today. And I feel honored to have you on today. You know, your new book uh, is coming out or just just came out. And, uh, you know, this podcast is really a show about writers, for writers. And uh, this new book of yours, Hungry Heart, is I think really that it's it's uh, pretty fantastic and thank you for coming oh, on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and excited to talk about it. 
So, uh, you know, we usually open the show with um, kind of getting to know the authors a little bit better. And, you know, I think it's a great place to kind of open. And I'm really, really excited about this book, Hungry Heart, Adventures in Life, Love and Writing, you know, because it really kind of tracks your origins as a, a best-selling writer, author, um, essayist now, memoirist, columnist. You've done all these different things. You've worn all these different hats. You've even done some TV production. But take us back a little bit because, you know, this book, you know, really traces those origins uh, extremely well. It's, it's hilarious. It's heartbreaking. It's got all these fantastic moments that have kind of uh, molded you, I think, into the um, best-selling author that you are. So, you know, maybe for listeners who may not be familiar, take us back a little bit to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in those early days that f- formed you, but also, you know, like the Joyce Carol Oates and yeah. Toni Morrison moments of your life, yes. which are so fantastic in the book. But yeah, take us back a little bit. All right. So um, the joke in Hungry Heart is that the best gift that any writer can receive is an unhappy childhood. And what is less discussed is that this is a gift we'd all return if we possibly could. And so I was the oldest of, am the oldest of four kids. And um, my parents moved us to this very preppy, very wealthy, very waspy kind of enclave in Connecticut um, (laughs) for reasons I'm still not really clear on. I'm like, why would you, why would you do this? Um, You know, so there, I, um, in my high school class of 400, there were nine Jewish kids, and I was one of them. Although if you're going by size, I was probably one and a half. Um, and I was, you know, I, I was this sort of pudgy, Jewish, bookwormy, had this like gigantic vocabulary and no OP t-shirts or Benetton sweaters <laughs> or Fiorutzi jeans. And, and just like, I was a disaster. I was lonely. I was picked on. I was unhappy. I couldn't even get other Jewish kids to be nice to me. But I always loved books and I always had books as my place to go, as my refuge, as my place where I could go hide from the world that was a really, really hard place for me to be. And I dreamed about being a writer someday. It was the only thing I wanted. It was the only thing I was good at. And so I graduated from high school and I went to Princeton and I was an English major and because that was, you know, obviously where you got to read all the great books. And I um, got to take creative writing classes with some amazing people, as you mentioned, Joyce Carol Oates and Toni Morrison and John McPhee, who taught nonfiction writing, but who was, I would say, the most influential professor that I had in terms of teaching writing as craft. Yeah. And and not something where you just sat around and you you waited for inspiration to come. You waited for your muse to speak to you. He taught that you worked at it, that you wrote something and then you rewrote it and then you mm-hmm. rewrote it again. And then you showed a draft to a friend and then you revised it one more time and then you showed it to your professor and then you rewrote it after that. And it, it was less like being some artiste, you know, some beret wearing hipster in Paris or in Brooklyn <laughs> than, than like being like the HVAC guy, you know, it's like the, the 
vents need cleaning. And so you'd be the one down there kind of mucking out the vents. And yeah. writing, I was taught, was that kind of labor. I mean, obviously not as physical. My my sister always likes to tell me when I complain about stuff, she's like, well, you're not digging ditches, which is true. But, <laughs> but it's work. And I'm glad that I learned that early on. I'm, I'm glad um, I had very smart people there to sort of demystify the process and, and teach me really that the difference, I think, between people who want to write, believe they can write, talk about writing, and the, the ones of us who actually do go on to get published, a lot of times that's just sheer persistence and nothing more than that. Well, the book, and I'll encourage listeners to pick it up, um, because it's a, it's a fascinating window into kind of all these things that I think shaped you. And this memoir, Cheryl Strayed, called Fiercely Funny, Powerfully Smart, Remarkably Brave. It is brave, uh, you know, and it's at times hilarious. Um, you've got a whole Revenge of the Nerds uh, footnote in there, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, oh, my I have such I have such love for and problems <laughs> with that movie. It's like all my faves are problematic. That especially that more than anything else. I would read a whole a whole op ed column on Revenge of the Nerds. I wish I could. Well, maybe I will. Maybe I will write one. Like that. I think you somebody, should. <laughs> somebody needs to make the Omega Moose movie, and that that someone might just yeah. be someday. Yeah. Well, you clearly have a love of, of all media and, and, you know, you've been shaped by these things and the, there are heartbreaking pieces in there. Um, you know, kind of the, the Princeton days and kind of being chased down by uh, creditors, which I, I thought was uh, harrowing and, and inspiring stuff. Um, so kudos I, on, I the, on the make, new book. I should make it clear. My dad was being chased down by creditors. Yeah, right. I was I'm just sorry. The, I, was just the poor, <laughs> I was just the poor jerk who had to answer the phone. Right, right, you right. Know? My, my credit is excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well, very, very powerful and bigly good. We will be right back after a very short break. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join 
to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Thanks so much for listening to the writer files. This episode of the writer files is brought to you by audible offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from. Audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or computer. For Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com rainmaker. Hey, Jared Morris here. If you know anything about Rainmaker Digital and Copyblogger, you may know that we produce incredible live events. Well, some would say that we produce incredible live events as an excuse to throw great parties, but that's another story. We've got another one coming up this October in Denver. It's called Digital Commerce Summit, and it is entirely focused on giving you the smartest ways to create and sell digital products and services. To get all the details and the very best deal on tickets, head over to rainmaker.fm slash summit. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. I thought it was cool, uh, the, you know, the, the Malcolm Gladwell kind of looking back at the, at the 10,000 hours that shaped you. And you were a journalist. You were like a small town newspaper reporter. Freelance writer trying to get short stories published. Yeah. 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 Just like 10 years in the trenches, like, and, and deep in the trenches. And, you know, I, I remember just being like, just like sick with jealousy when I would read about like some like 24 year old hotshot, you know, being hired by Saturday Night Live or getting that six figure book deal. And I would yeah. just think like, oh, it's never going to be me. Like I'm working so hard and it's just not going to happen. And I'm going to be in, you know, central Pennsylvania for the rest of my life. And, and looking back, you know, of course I could not see this at the time, but like it, it was the best thing for me. It was the best thing for me to learn everything I did and to put in all the time that I did. And it was the best thing for me that I was 31 and not 21 when my first book was published. Cause I don't think I would have been able to handle it. I, I don't think I was ready yet. Well, kudos. Uh, the book is fantastic. Um, and it, and it kind of documents what's, uh, what's made you this, this best-selling, uh, author and uh, TV producer and um, yeah, definitely cool stuff. So let's talk about your process. I mean, I'd love to just dig in a little bit more about the mm-hmm. writing life. Um, I will point back to uh, your fantastic website, jenniferweiner.com. And the four writers section, I think, is is notable just because it's it's so cool. And you talk, I mean, in a nutshell, you kind of break down, you know, so you want to be a novelist and, and these points are... are uh, at times funny and also um, maybe cautionary. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> cautionary is a good way to put it. So now that you've got this fantastic uh, memoir, uh, 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 this essay collection under your belt, and you're kind of doing the rounds to promote it, what what else do you, do you have in the hopper? I know you just released uh, also a kid's book. Is that right? Yes. 
Uh-huh. My oh. first children's book. It's the, called The Littlest Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. So um, what else could you possibly be doing? <laughs> Um, well, I had, I had some pretty good tweets about the debate last night, um, the first presidential debate, but, um, what I'm working on now is a sequel to the children's books. Um, so I'm, I'm writing little Bigfoot, big city, which is going to be the next one in that trilogy. And I'm also, um, I have another grown up novel that I, um, am eager to get back to, um, kind of waiting to, um, we're, we're talking before Hungry Heart goes on sale. And when it does, I'm going to have this like, you know, the, the 12 city book tour. So I got to get through that. Yeah. But um, I, I'm interested in all of the new places there are to tell stories, all of the new ways there are to do it. Like I've been doing some Facebook live videos that I'm really enjoying. Um, you know, I, cool. I did some videos for people, for people.com. So, you know, I, I think I like telling stories. And I think wherever I end up doing that, um, this is this is my life's work my life's work <laughs> yeah yes. yeah cool well let's talk about your life's work and yes. uh so how much time per day you know when you're really digging in are you yep. kind of like doing research or reading before you settle in and, and start clacking away Generally, I, I get up in the morning and I get my daughters off to school and I exercise because if I don't do that first thing, it doesn't happen. Um, and then it'll be kind of like an hour of like business, you know, emails, phone calls, taking care of social media. Usually by 11 o'clock or noon, I'm kind of settling in for the writing day. And I usually aim for three or four solid hours of writing, which at first I thought made me sound like a slacker. (laughs) Well, but then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, but when I was at newspapers and I was there for eight hours, I wasn't really writing for eight hours. I was, you know, hanging out at the water cooler or at the fax machine or having lunch or on the phone or, you know, all the things that you get to do in an office. And I, I no longer have an office. I don't have any people. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just working, working yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you set your, do you set word counts? Are you like kind of chasing deadlines or? Right. It, it kind of depends what I'm working on. I, I'd say like probably a thousand words a day is a general goal, just, you know, and they can be crummy words. They can be words I'll chuck the next day when I read them over, but mm-hmm. I, I shoot for a thousand words, a thousand words a day. Very nice. And, um, are you someone who can listen to music while you're, while you're working or do you like silence? I can, I don't need to have it. I mean, I, I'm one of these people that we call women who has generally learned to work with interruptions, with kids screaming in coffee shops. I mean, I, I worked in a, I was, as you said, I was a newspaper reporter for almost 10 years. So I got used to newsrooms and there'd be people yelling and they're television sets on like blaring CNN and somebody would have a police scanner on his desk and that would be going off. So like I can deal with noise. I can deal with interruption. I can deal with commandavin as my Nana says, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm not one of these, you know, the, the room, the room must be silent. It must <laughs> cool to a 67 degree temperature with a pink noise machine in the corner. I'm like, yeah, I read these things sometimes and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> And, and probably you're someone who doesn't have children is my yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever get out to uh, a cafe or a coffee shop? I do. I do some writing in coffee shops. Um, you know, like today, um, my daughter has ceramics club at school and that gets out at 420. So I'll probably like put my laptop in my backpack and, and her school's two miles away. So I'll walk up there and I'll like park myself in the coffee shop and write till she's done with <laughs> ceramics and then bring her home. <laughs> cool. Here's the million dollar question. Um, 
and I have a feeling I know the answer. Do you believe in writer's block? No, <laughs> no, I, I really don't. And again, I would I would point to my life as a journalist. Like you can't go to your editor and and say, I know that you need me to write that twelve inch story on the sewage board hearing, but alas, my muse <laughs> has not spoken. Like you just write the story, yeah. And and maybe it's terrible. Like maybe it's the worst story anybody's ever read, but you can fix it. So I I think I mean. Robert Gottlieb's famous advice is if you can't write type, so just type, you know, just get some, get some word shapes onto the page and then you'll, <laughs> and then you'll have something to work with, you know, like you could, you, you, you got to start with something. I like that one a lot. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, well, cool. That that dovetails perfectly into kind of your workflow. So, um, if you can't write type, are you working on a typewriter? No, <laughs> no. I, I work on. A, I have a Mac. I have a a MacBook Air that's yeah. kind of old, and there's some food in the in the little keyboard. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, I've had, I've worked on laptops, I've worked on desktops, I've, I've got, I've had Macs for the last little while, but I used to have Dell. So I, again, like I'm really not picky, like, and, and I use Microsoft Word, like that's my, I don't have Scrivener or one of those like fancy schmancy, you know, I just, it's just like basically rolling a sheet of paper into a typewriter. Very nice. Straight to the point. So, um, do you have some organizational hacks that kind of keep you on task that you can share with writers? I walk a lot. I, I think a lot of my best thinking happens when I'm walking. And so that's where I kind of will, if, if I'm stuck on a plot point or if I'm thinking like, how would a character say this or how would they react in a certain situation? A lot of times I'll just like walk the dog or walk myself, just, just go for a walk if I get stuck. And, and sometimes not thinking about it helps. Like you can just sort of, you know, kick it to the back part of your brain for mm -hmm. a little while and like cook something or exercise yeah. or like, you know, I, I have writer friends who like color, like in those grown up coloring books. Um, yeah. and I also, I, I read somebody else, um, always leave, like when you stop for the day, don't stop at the end of, of a sentence, like leave half of a sentence. So you'll just have a place to pick right up the next day. So it'll just be like, oh, okay, here's where I was. And, then, and now I know yeah. I got to finish that sentence. And that'll hopefully kickstart the next day's work. Yeah, yeah, that's a great trick. And I think that was a, um, a Hemingway trick also. Yeah. I think he, yep. he talked about doing that one. Yes. Uh, good good brain training thing. So you, so you kind of lean into the incubation 
Uh, phase, are, do, you, do you have some ways to beat procrastination or are you kind of leaning into it then? If I find I'm getting distracted or if I find um, I'm, I'm finding other things to do, sometimes a change of scenery helps. Like sometimes it's even just like, you know, getting up and, and stretching and like getting away from the keyboard for five minutes. But mm-hmm. I'm not a huge procrastinator. And, and I think it's because I I'm not one of these writers that thinks it's like, you know, sitting down and opening a vein. Like I, I, or I, and I'm not one of these writers who's like, you know, I love having written, but I hate writing. I like writing. I really, really do. And, yeah. and it remains the thing that brings me the most joy and makes me the happiest. So I really, I, I can't complain about it that much. And I, I feel lucky to be able to do it. And so I really do not have a huge procrastination problem. How does Jennifer Weiner unwind at the end of a long, a long writing day? I beat the children. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't. And scene. Uh, right. <laughs> um, no, I mean honestly, it's like I, um, you know, I I don't want to. Um, I, I was gonna say like many women, I have what. Um, what they call the second shift, where it's like you stop your professional work and then your mom. Um, and, and, and that's what I do, but I also have a ton of help. So it's not like I'm like, and then I get the groceries and then I make dinner and then I wash the dishes and then I do the laundry. Like I have people to do those things. I'm super duper lucky and I'm able to sort of use my money so that all I get to do with my time is spend time with my children and spend time on my work. But that's how I unwind is I'm, I'm with my kids and they are both, um, very funny and smart and interesting young ladies. And the eight year old is hilarious. And the 13 year old (laughs) is, um, brilliant and, and prickly and really into math and science and sort of thinks I'm useless in the, in the way of 13 year old daughters everywhere. She's just like, <laughs> oh, mom, you know, cue eye roll. Right, you know, right. I, people say I'll get her back in like four years. So I'm just, you know, watching the clock on that, but I, I'm with my kids and that's how I unwind. And I, I watch TV too. Um, I'm, I'm very eager to start the new season of transparent. Ah, yes. And, uh, I can vouch that it is as good as as they say. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.